Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host, and welcome, one and all, to another edition of Blunt Business, presented by Strainwise Consulting. You can learn more about Strainwise Consulting by going to their website at strainwiseconsulting.com. This week, here on Blunt Business, I get to speak with a gentleman who I interviewed during CannabisRadio.com's roving reporting at the NCIA National Cannabis Industry Association's annual Cannabis Business Summit in San Jose, California. Uh, gentleman and a scholar and honestly a scientist of his, of his own like and honestly i learned so much from this gentleman I'm, I'm so glad to have him on the show i'm talking about arthur d cordova he's the co-founder and managing director of zeal z-i-e-l today we're going to further our discussion that we had which you can find it under our grassroots marketing section on cannabisradio.com you we got to talk about apex a patent pending radio frequency processing technology to reduce total yeast and mold count or tymc in cannabis arthur welcome to blunt business or hey it's gonna be back on cannabis radio thank you my friend really do uh really enjoyed our conversation and i knew that uh it was going to be eventual to have you back because there was just so much to be said. And again, to bring your information and bring this idea of radio frequency to our listeners here on Blood Business. So starting off, let's bring listeners up to speed. Talk to me about the creation of Apex. We're a California-based company, and 10 years ago, there was an outbreak of salmonella in the almond industry. And for those in California who are familiar with it, almonds is an enormous uh, industry in California, in the Central Valley, multi-billion dollar business, 700 farmers. And at the time, there was no regulatory compliance for almonds. And after the serious outbreak, the spotlight uh, shone on the industry, and they decided to tighten up the regulations and implement a threshold for safety. And the existing technologies to treat almonds for salmonella were a carcinogenic chemical PPO and a steam process which changed the, the sensory qualities of the almonds. So neither were, were uh, really good solutions. Uh, they worked, but with, uh, with uh, complications. And UC Davis, which is the agricultural university, leading university in California, looked at other technologies that were already in existence around the world and tried their hand at uh, seeing if they had an application for treating the microbials, uh, pathogens, i.e. salmonella. And they, they looked at a number of them and they settled on radio frequency, which was an existing technology invented after World War II, uh, tried and proven, but was used primarily in the textile business. And UC Davis had the idea, can it be applied in the agricultural business? It's a thermal process. We'll, we'll get into the science in a moment. Sure. But it's a thermal process. And they, they, they locked on that radio frequency process and patented it. And then our company commercialized it and started uh, deploying it with the larger almond farmers in California. And uh, also in Australia, which has about 20% of the world market. California has 80%. And so, 
every almond that comes out to market. I mean, it was the matter of, uh, I mean, how big, I mean, of an outbreak was it prior to? I mean, how much had to be recalled? You know, how much how much was uh, did production suffer as a result of this? I don't have the hard numbers for hey, uh, but it 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 definitely stopped the you know the industry cold in its tracks, and they uh, there was a re- there were recalls there were almond producers uh, that were severely impacted uh, with the recall. Uh, I think some went out of business, but it really shook the industry. Again, you know, it was a very fractionated in- industry at the time. And they they organized themselves into the Almond Board of California, mm-hmm. and they, as I said, implemented a regulatory standard that all almonds had to meet. And that standard was uh, a log for kill reduction. What that that means is uh, it is a reduction. For instance, if you have a million, uh, a log for reduction will reduce it from one million to one hundred thousand to ten thousand to one thousand down to one hundred units so they achieved the, the log four reduction and uh you know the nice thing about our process is that it clocks in at you know between four and, and six log reduction so very thorough so from a scientific point of view uh the uc davis team did a fantastic job uh identifying this technology and uh proving it out with science and really helping a business to, really a, a very important business in california now you decided and you went ahead and took it upon to go ahead and utilize this radio frequency technology that UC Davis perfected. Decided to take it from salmonella into yeast and mold. Take me through the transition, why you felt like the same technology could be used towards yeast and mold. We didn't set out to use this application, uh, radio frequency application in the cannabis business. It, it, okay. it came to us in a very serendipitous fashion. We had been uh, deploying this technology with beta testing, you know, like, like all new technologies and in industries, there were challenges. It took several years to work through them. And we had just gotten our processes down. We, we have a, a, a superb manufacturer in Italy that's been making these radio frequency machines for you know, 40, 50 years and they're very large machines. And so we were going just in that direction, the tree nuts and getting more and more nuts uh, validated with our processes and our machines. So cashews, macadamia nuts, uh, so as a food safety business. And we were approached about three years ago by a young gentleman at a food shop in California who asked us, hey, you guys uh, are, are experts in targeting microbials, salmonella, E. coli, well, mold is a microbial. Right. Would your technology have applications for for you know reducing mold? And you know, from a scientific point of view, we said, well, sure, but there aren't too many products that you know lend themselves to it. And he says, well, I've got a product for you. And it turned out that this gentleman was the vice president of operations and had set up, and still today, it's the largest outdoor U.S. cannabis farm in the United States. And it's called Los Suenos Farms in Pueblo, Colorado, about two hours south of Denver. And they have about 32 acres of outdoor grow, uh, 42,000 plants. And at the time, Colorado had uh, was the first state 
to approve recreational cannabis. And the the regulatory authorities in the state were were looking closely to, you know, what are the various things you know we need to do to improve consumer safety. So they, they looked at really two buckets, of course pesticides used in the farming and they crossed off a number of pesticides that cannot be used. And then they looked at the microbials and right down the line they looked at E. coli must be non detect, salmonella must be non detect in the in the testing samples, and mold must be below a certain threshold. It wasn't as, as stringent as a, 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 a pass-fail, but just a uh, very low level. And being an outdoor farm, they're vulnerable to the, the winds blowing from other farms and all sorts of uh, things landing on their crop. And they definitely would not have passed their total yeast and mold count threshold. Wow. So they came running uh, to us, and they had looked at five or six different means from x-ray to microwave and they all had compromises to the integrity of the product as well as the effectiveness of reducing mold in their product and so they came to us as we're the only company that used radio frequency in the agricultural process and said can you do this at the time our machines were uh, high volume machines multi-million dollar machines you know they're they're large conveyor belts processing 2500 pounds an hour is nuts and there were no cannabis growers still today that processed 2,500 pounds an hour. No. So we had to go through an engineering exercise and move from a high volume process to a single batch process. And we developed a, a miniature Apex unit. Um, it was a seven kilowatt unit as opposed to an 85 kilowatt unit for the nut industry. And we have been running four machines at Los Buenos for three years in our in our beta testing. We're now in commercial production. Uh, but if it weren't for this young gentleman, uh, we would not be in the cannabis business. And I've heard <laughs> similar businesses stories with people who have core businesses, and they're they're they leverage those successful core businesses and apply them into the cannabis business. That's so a, there, there are many of us out there. Dude, that's a fascinating story. I'll tell you. And I looked at your background before, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this, you know, at the show, in our previous interview. But I mean, you're originally not. You originally you came from Wall Street. You came from, you know, the areas of uh, uh, places like Bear Stearns. You 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 studied finance and business administration. You worked with Fortune 500 companies. You did a lot when it comes to technology and uh, clean energy. And then all of a sudden, it brought you here. Did you ever expect that, you know, this all of a sudden, this happenstance brings you to cannabis. It, 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 I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm being quizzed by a very, very well-prepared interviewer, Jorge, which you are. <laughs> and if you, you look at my resume, uh, you'll see I jump from limb to limb about every six years. I guess I'm a little bit of a, uh, of a wanderer. Oh, there's a lot of big names here. I see Solyndra, I see AstraZeneca, I see Bear Stearns. I see, there's a lot of places you've been, and you're well-rounded. Very well-rounded business-wise, and it is an amazing story. Like you said, this just right here, like you said, just putting this together, that it all got to here. And But I feel like this is really, this is a place where you're very passionate about. This is something that, and some of the things you've done, this is something that you're happy to be in because of what you get to do. It, uh, I've been very lucky. I've had some exciting experiences. And uh, one thing that you didn't mention is that I lived in Russia for 10 years. Right. And... Okay. and uh, that was uh, the Wild West in the 1990s, 
and uh, the cannabis market has been referred to as the Wild West, and there are a lot of uh, similar experiences um, to living in, in Moscow during that uh, time of great change. And and the playbook is being written in cannabis, you know, as we speak every day, uh, and it's, it's exciting, you know. And you know what's the, the buzz right now is, you know, this parabolic move by Tilray. Tilray stock in the stock market, you know, went IPO earlier this summer or late spring, you know, at twenty-ish, and now it's trading at two hundred and forty-ish or something today. It's 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 really an unusual time. We're not quite sure what's driving it, but I put on my Wall Street hat, and uh, you know, my, my eyes just kind of blink at, at things like that. And you know, so there's things happening in finance. There's things happening. Um, you know, a pharma background. And you know the pharma companies are, are eyeing these cannabis companies, uh, you know, as their next you know chapter, uh, you know, for growth. And so uh, we, you know, what we don't know is is how it's all going to shake out. But uh, the adage, you know, the only thing constant about change is the speed of change, and nothing more true than in the cannabis business right now. And you know, you see that all too well. Obviously, when you were in Russia, and obviously, you see that in the industry right now and cannabis. Let's continue this conversation, Arthur, after we come back to do a little homage for our sponsors. We're here again with Arthur D. Cordova, co founder and managing director of Zeal. We'll be back with Arthur with more questions coming up here on Blunt Business here on cannabisradio.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches. Premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Arthur D. Cordova from Zeal here on Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. 
So, Arthur, Apex is being used by Los Sueños Farms. It's the largest outdoor cannabis farm in the country and the Green Solution, which is Colorado's premier cannabis company with 14 locations about or across the state. So, talk to me about, again, we were talking about, you know, the machinery and being able to uh, adjust the machinery to make it much more manageable and easier to work with from, like you said, from a large uh, harvest to batches. And... Talk to me about the scope of what you were able to test. What kind of specimens have you gotten to examine in the harvest that, that fa- those farms have yielded? The Los Lenos farms, they harvest approximately 50,000 pounds of outdoor product a year. Uh, they have four greenhouses. They turn them each three times a year. So it's a pretty significant quantity of product. And they're, they started out with a reactive approach. Hey, if things uh, don't pass my testing, I'll go back and remediate it with the apex, then resubmit it for testing. Right. And the back and forth led them to uh, a very strong level of comfort that the apex system, the radio frequency, was very benign on their product and the sensory qualities. And they moved last year to processing 100% of their product with the Apex prior to sending it out for testing. And it's been very, very positive for them. So it moved from, well, we'll use it if we need it, to a, now we're gonna integrate this into our standard operating procedures. And, you know, they do hundreds of tests each year on their their batches. Uh, and and so they've got a, a pile of data to back up, you know, their, their level of comfort that it's a very benign process. So what we found uh, with our uh, customers up in Canada who are operating at very high volumes, you know, they have been uh, working on, on, on a whole different plane. I'm sure we want to get into Canada, uh, start talking about that exciting market in a moment. Right. But, but uh, it, you know, the, the, the unit, is, um, you know, is a workhorse and, uh, you know, why don't I let you... Uh, follow up with that all right okay well uh i wanted to go in, into another subject that we tackled during our last discussion and for those you know i mentioned the discussion before i'll make sure it is in the show notes of this episode so all of you can go and find that as well we talked about uh total yeast and mold count testing t-y-m-c testing it's now being applied in colorado canada hawaii michigan and nevada so talk to me about the response of those that are now applying the radio frequency approach to TYMC testing among the states and in Canada. Right. So in the United States, each each state has its own regulatory authorities, absent a, a federal authority. And there's been widespread adoption of the TYMC standard uh, for the microbial reduction. And uh, again, all of them have a salmonella E. coli non-detect threshold. That seems to be the same. And, you know, it, 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 the regulatory authorities are approaching it from a safety point of view, a consumer safety point of view. The TYMC is a very broad-based uh, test. Um, it's adopted by World Health Organization, uh, European Pharmacopeia, and various other um, organizations. So it's pretty standard and, and well-known, and it's a good broad-based test. The, the incidence of the TYMC, there's mold 
everywhere. Back up for a second. Mold is, you know, part of our life. It's mold on our skin as we speak. Right. Uh, there's good mold. There's bad mold. Good mold led to penicillin. Bad mold, such as aspergillus, can be extremely dangerous. And for an immunocompromised patient, they are really the ones at risk uh, if there is a high level of mold that could carry this aspergillus strain. So that is the the, the, the dangers part, and this test, TYMC, is meant to uh, recognize when, when product is uh, has a very high mold count, and it also speaks to the operation of the grower. Uh, a very high TYMC counts could mean that that, that grow operation uh, has a um, environment that may lend itself to higher counts of yeast and mold. So it, it, it by by controlling it, measuring it, um, it's bringing the industry into uh, some some uniformity in terms of best practice and standards. Let's talk about compliance. And we talked about that obviously at nauseum during our interview before, but it was about the area of the state of California. And tell me what uh, there's some differences about how California is tackling the compliance issue. When it comes to making sure they do the same TYMC testing like the other states are doing, and how it differs from, say, Colorado's approach. California has taken uh, a different approach, and and we don't know if the you know could be how it's going to turn out because the final chapter has not been written. Right. So, for our California listeners, we know that the the state. You know, implemented its uh, emergency regulations January 1st of this year. There was a tightening of the regulations or, or actually enforcement of the regulations starting July 1st where they could no longer sell untested product that was meant to clear out the inventory from the previous year, 2017. And while these emergency regulations were in place from January 1st, the state embarked upon, uh, specifically the Bureau of Cannabis Control, in Sacramento embarked upon a, uh, um, a, a broader discussion of, okay, you know, what should we change in these rules? And there's a back and forth with industry, with organizations, uh, such as the California Growers Association, the California Cannabis Industry Association, individual stakeholders, and they then released in mid-June their proposed draft of final regulations. Those final regulations in the microbial area mirrored the emergency regulations. And those regulations called for, again, salmonella non-detect, E. coli non-detect, but they have a strain-specific testing just for the aspergillus strain. Uh, They do not uh, have a broad-based recommendation, such as the TYMC, of other states and countries. So this was challenged vigorously by a number of organizations, the Quality Control Committee of the, of the California Cannabis Industry Association recommended uh, in a meeting with the BCC that uh, they adopt the TYMC standard in addition to the aspergillus strains, hmm. which, which may be overkill, but uh, you know, better safe than sorry was their view. Uh, but there are a number of strains besides aspergillus that are significantly dangerous to the consumers that are not being captured, that would be captured in the TYMC test. Right. So this right. was the position of the, the industry, 
Uh, not everyone in the industry agreed with that. It was a very, uh, um, you know, maybe contentious issue uh, because it raises the bar for a number of outdoor farmers in the United States, in California that grow outdoors that would not maybe pass compliance testing. So there's been a fair amount of healthy, vigorous discussion. Uh, there was an open public comment period uh, uh, that ended August 27th. Uh, I attended the one in Oakland. There was there was um, uh, open mics uh, in Los Angeles as well as in Sacramento. And this TYMC issue was brought up on numerous occasions by a number of experts. And uh, they stated their case. And, and now the the Bureau of Cannabis Control is reflecting and they will release their proposed final regulations having incorporated or not incorporated the comment from industry and stakeholders on this issue. That's a, it's, it's like you said, um, contentious is definitely the word. Before we go to another break, we're going to go to commercial, but before we go to that, I want to ask one thing more about Canada because of course federal legalization is in, the, in front of us. That's a larger market than California, and a lot of major companies are in and invested and ready to go on this. Do they have the same compliance that, say, Colorado does? Are they set with the right testing standards? They have a TYMC test, absolutely. They also have an aerobic plate count testing, I believe. Double check that, but I believe so. And of course, the salmonella and E. coli non detect. But yes, TYMC testing is part of the regulatory compliance regime in Canada. Because uh, one thing I can say is that when we look at this down the line, we see what Canada becomes. And w- w- just to see that as a, as a test of what's going to happen if, say, the United States gets to a point where they'll have that full federal adult use legalization in play. And then the kind of supply and demand we'll have at that point will be we'll see what Canada does first and learn from what happens there <clears throat> first of all. And that's something to really look forward to down the line. So, got a few more questions for you coming back from the break. Again, we're here with Arthur de Cordova, the co-founder and managing editor of Zeal, Z-I-E-L. And we'll be back with Arthur with final questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. 
Retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit $8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including health care, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th to the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business presented by Strainwise Consulting. We're back here with Arthur de Cordova, the co-founder and managing director of Zeal. And just have some last questions here. One last thing about Canada. This is just out of the blue because of the fact that we're hearing in the news this week as a record beverage companies. The two top beverage companies under reports, at least one we know by from Bloomberg.com, that Coke or Coca-Cola has been talking to the likes of Aurora Cannabis, possibly looking to go ahead and create, well, I guess, CBD-based beverages. I, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of investments going on. A lot of money has been swapped back and forth, you know, in the billions that has gone on in Canada. I mean, put your business hat, your CEO hat on now. If you had a Coca-Cola meet you in your conference room and they're looking to work with you, I guess, what hesitations, what kind of things come to mind uh, opportunities come to mind. Uh, it, what's going on in these discussions between the uh, you know, Coca-Cola or uh, Constellation Brands, uh, the alcohol companies, or else tobacco companies are also poking around, and the pharma companies. So lar- large, large players in the room that carry a big stick and have a big checkbook. Yes. If. if uh, just, just looking at it from the side, because I'm not involved in, Zeal is not involved in, in that side of the business. Correct. The, the potential for, for the CBD applications uh, from a medicinal point of view, from a um, uh, consumer goods point of view, right. is, is enormous. And it's untapped. We don't know where it's going to go. So, the, lar- the, the with the large uh, beverage companies bring to the table obviously cash, but they bring enormous distribution networks. Uh, yes. Their branding ability, they're experts in branding. I think Constellation has a hundred different beer brands. Coca Cola is, is no wallflower when it comes to branding. No, so it brings a huge uh, step up uh, on a strategic level for any of these companies to be working with the cannabis companies, and and it gives an enormous uh, level of credibility to the industry. Uh, I think the largest takeaway I, I had with the Constellation Brands uh, uh, investment, and by the way, you know they invested approximately $300 million a year ago for 10% of the company, and they come back and put down $3.5 billion for another 20% uh, in, in a year's time. That, that was an eye-opener. But more importantly, uh, who are the, the bankers? Uh, doing the uh, the deal making, and you know, you had Goldman Sachs on one side of it, and you had Merrill Lynch financing the deal on the other. And I think you know, for me, that 
that legitimized uh, uh, the transaction. Um, um, you know, as much as the, the, the eye-popping dollar amount that the Canopy Growth uh, garnered in that deal. And that's what it is, uh, is legitimization from the corporates. And you would think that some of the lobbying dollars they have so they can further these discussions and further these these uh, negotiations is to put some money towards the, some of these politicians and get them to kind of move forward so that they can open the doors for more business to happen. Uh, well, you know, how, how, you know, how uh, Washington works this day, we know that money, you know, money drives a lot of the policy decisions. Yes. And I've always maintained that, you know, the, 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 the politicians are not going to uh, rewrite the legislation uh, to, or the, or the uh, DA to, to declassify or to change the uh, cannabis from a Schedule One drug. Right. It's going to be the lobbyists of the pharma companies, the lobbyists of the beverage companies, the lobbyists of the tobacco companies, who are going to make the case to um, Congress and, and the and the politicians that they work closely with that this is in our business interest and it's time to, to change this because they want it to happen. And I think that's that's what's going to um, move the needle. Well, and we've talked about it. Like I said, when we went to some of the other uh, the, the summit in San Jose, you just can see the the business uh, people that are coming from the business sector that are making their way in and from all sizes and shapes from the fortune 500 down you're seeing a lot of influence and a lot of people looking to make their entrance into the cannabis industry now while it's still a chance to get yourself in the door and make it really plant a flag on on where you want to be and what part of the business you want to be in down from a recent cannabis, uh, cannabis tech article, I want to quote something that you said. Quote, the ease and scalability of using Zeal's radio frequency technology has yet to be filled across the industry. However, for those that are using it, their ROI is tremendous. The machines are around $250,000, but depending on the size of the operation, pay for themselves in just a few months. RF technology can save these businesses from losing profits due to high TYMC, as well as protect their brand and the integrity of the industry. So give us some perspective on any comparisons on a type of ROI that could come from companies adding RF technology. There are two business cases here. I'll give the the, the case uh, for a cultivator who's doing nothing, and then I'll go to the, the Canadian case, okay. which is a uh, replacement of RF technology from the existing ionizing uh, technologies of gamma and e-beam. So let's start with Colorado. And this was the math that, that Las Suenos used. And this round numbers here make the case. If Las Suenos uh, harvests uh, 50,000 pounds and they would lose 20% of their product, that would be uh, to TYMC failure, that would be 10,000 pounds. Uh, if what would they do with that 10,000 pounds? Well, the goal is to sell it at the wholesale rate, round numbers here, called $1,200. But if they can't sell the flour, they've got to discount the price to uh, an, uh, an extractor that's going to turn into oil. And extractors buy trim and lower grade uh, cannabis and turn it into oil. And so the delta is $1,000. Right on that, um, between selling for twelve hundred and two hundred thousand dollars, thousand dollars times um, 
you know, 10,000, um, that is a lot of money. Right. Right. So uh, that's a very easy, easy uh, math. Um, so that, that pays back very quickly. Um, the, the case in Canada is a little different in that they adopted very quickly sending their product, 100% of it in the SOPs, to Gamma or Ebeam uh, centers. These are very expensive facilities. Gamma uses Cobalt 60, it's a radiating technology. Right. Uh, and it does a fantastic job of just killing everything. And so it's sort of like a, a neutron bomb, you know, it kills everything but the humans. And <laughs> right. the, the um, downside of that is that the large LPs are doing more and more volume and they've got to send it in a Brinks truck to the center with one of their staff. So they've got process interruption on their production line. Mm-hmm. There's also cost them between 30 Canadian dollars a, a kilogram to up to 50 Canadian dollars a kilogram. And so they're spending a lot of money. Uh, by some accounts, two to three percent of their cost of goods. And, and it, these companies are doing volume. Everyone's trying to get their cost of goods going down. In Canada, they measure cost per gram. You know, a year ago, they were at 150 Canadian dollars per gram. Now they're down to 75 That's good. Uh, Canadian um, dollars per, per gram. And you know they're going down as far as they they, they can, so two to three percent is quite a chunk when you're fighting you know a game of inches. So our technology, you know, with the with a capex investment of two hundred fifty thousand dollars for an apex, the operating costs of manual labor, um, insurance, etc. You add it all in over five years, operating cost plus the capex and the volume that we do, and it comes down to. 14 cents a kilogram. Yeah, not just the overhead, but just the, the really uh, just being able to go ahead and yeah. maximize as much of the plan as you can. That's that's amazing. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, I was at uh, O'Cannabis in June, and I made a uh, uh, I had a speech, and I talked about the business case of RF versus the competing technologies in Canada. Right. And afterwards, I was having a cup of coffee, and I was, I was uh, staying next to uh, a CEO of a large LP. And he says, "I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, producing. Once I get all my capacity, I'll be harvesting a thousand kilograms a day." Hmm. And I said to him, "Look at him and go. I can save you nine million dollars tomorrow." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, and, and like. He's heard it all, and, and I don't blame him. There's a lot of fast talk in the cannabis business. Right. And, and I sent him the Excel spreadsheet, and uh, now this company is uh, is uh, in the process of buying uh, several units. <laughs> That's a great story. Let me tell you, don't, don't be afraid to go and use that line. That's a very good line. I'll tell you, that would perk anybody's ears up if they heard that. Very good stuff. So finally, uh, you got that gentleman to learn more about Apex and everything that Zeal works on. So, how about our listeners? How can they learn more? Well, the you know you can find more information on our website zealcannabis.com. There's a brief minute and a half video, a nice video aerial footage of Las Suenas. So if you'd like to see the largest cannabis farm in the United States, it's it's uh, there it is. But also, the gentleman who approached us. A couple years back is the one featured in the video, and he is demonstrating the Apex uh, 
there for, for you to see. And it's a, a short treatment, about 10 minutes. Uh, it does 20 pounds uh, per batch. And so close to 100 pounds an hour, 800 pounds a day, 4,000 pounds a week, 16,000 a month, 160,000 a year, you know, with some off time. So it can definitely do the volume, one unit. And uh, the, the website has, you know, a lot of the details on, on the equipment. Um, we do not have distributors. We sell them directly. Our target are the large or, and medium size uh, cultivators or, or distributors in California, a little bit different model in California. Okay. And we work with our customers direct. We offer them a turnkey solution. We install it. We do process settings. Uh, we develop the process settings for the customer uh, based on your strains and your operating environment. So it's not a one size fits all. And, and that is, that's, that's carried over from the food business where we, we provide the equipment, but we provide the process solutions, i.e. the calibrated solutions specific to the product, the moisture, the operating environment. So it's really, a, it's a very much of a dialed in process specific for that customer's operating environment and products. Wow. Again, another wonderful conversation with Arthur D. Cordova, the co-founder and managing director of Zeal. And again, you can learn more about them at zielcannabis.com. Arthur, once again, so happy to have you back on. And again, we must keep in touch and hopefully have you back on on a future show. Thank you, Jorge. All the best. Thanks again. And also, thank you, listeners, for listening to another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. And again, if you're looking to get your foot in the door of the cannabis industry, as well as any entrepreneurs looking to start their own marijuana business, go to Strainwise Consulting at StrainwiseConsulting.com. And folks, you can listen to future episodes and past episodes of Blunt Business by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.